This is Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. I'm Jeff Allworth. And this is a live episode audience recording coming to you from Von Ebert Brewing in Portland, Oregon. Where in just a minute, we're going to be talking lagers, award-winning IPAs, mixed fermentation. You guys stopped clapping really fast. (laughs) (laughs) Mixed fermentation and being part of a tremendous local brewing scene with Sam Pecorero, the head brewer here, and Jason Hansen, the lead brewer. And we'll get into it all in just a minute. But first, Jack Handler of Jack Savvy is joining me on the line, as he does from time to time. And the brewery is a sponsor of this episode. And of course, we're thankful for that. And we're talking about the brewery's Lager of the World series. And this time, Jack Savvy is headed to Guatemala. So Jack, first of all, welcome back. And tell us about this collaboration and how Guatemala got on the brewery's radar. Absolutely. Yeah, as we explore the world and see what people are brewing, we got brought to Guatemala for this next collaboration. We partnered with El Zapote. We were really curious what craft beer was like in that part of the world. And we were able to have a conversation with them about how they approach craft beer and decided to have a collaboration. So what is the collaboration? What's, what is the beer itself? The beer is a coffee-infused golden lager. So really interesting beer. I'm actually drinking some right now. We just canned it this morning, and uh, it's a perfect breakfast beer, so I'm happy to be drinking this right now. Uh, give us a little bit more info on, on, on the beer. What are some of the stats behind it? So, of course, it's a lager. Uh, it's brewed with oats and Pilsner malt in the mash. And then we infused it with a really special coffee. So it has all those nice coffee aromas, but it's enjoyed as a light golden style lager. Nice. Well, we'll talk more about the coffee when you join us at the bottom of the show. Uh, But for now, I'm going to encourage everybody to go visit jacksabby.com where you can actually learn more about this beer as well as the brewery. And thanks, Jack. All About Beer is back online and producing original content for beer enthusiasts and professionals. You can visit allaboutbeer.com to see the latest. And if you want to support us in that endeavor, we've set up a Patreon for both readers and professional companies in the beer space. Check out patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to learn more. And for additional audio content, search All About Beer on your podcast platform of choice, and you can listen to the shows that are now available. We're able to bring you the show each week thanks to the companies that support independent journalism in the beer space. You can learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates by emailing info at allaboutbeer.com. This is the last for now of the shows recorded on location from the Pacific Northwest. It was recorded at Von Ebert's Brewing's Glendevere location on the far edges of Portland, Oregon, and it's situated on a golf course. Von Ebert is a brewery that has been crushing it since the start, making great IPAs and lagers, as well as boasting a terrific blending program. In fact, we discussed some of those beers on the show to illustrate both ingredients and process. It's a brewery with a diverse portfolio that executes on the highest levels and always has something interesting to explore. And prior to the show, Jeff Allworth, my friend and the writer and author and podcast host and world traveler, had been driving me around to Oregon and trying to dissect Von Ebert. And since it was such a conundrum, I invited him to co-host this episode. Happily, it goes off the rails at points. But our guests keep us on track. And they are Sam Picaro, 
He's the head brewer who has been brewing around Portland for 11 years at various breweries, including Burnside, The Commons, Breakside, before joining Von Ebert at their inception in 2018. As head brewer, Sam leads the Pearl District and Glendevere brewing teams in all quests related to IPA variants, German-inspired lagers, and mixed culture beers. And Jason Hansen, he's the lead brewer and blender who started homebrewing right after college and ended up getting a job at Seven Bridges Organic Homebrew Supply in Santa Cruz, California, before moving on to Sante Adarius Rustic Ales, where he eventually became the head brewer. He was then the lead fermentationologist at Garden Path Fermentation in Burlington, Washington, before joining Von Ebert also in 2018. It's a crowded table that grows a bit more when we're joined later in the show by Madeline McCarthy, who is then a brewer at Von Ebert, but has since started working at 10 Barrel Brewing. There's a lot to unpack in this rollicking show recorded just off the practice screen at the course with an audience putting a dent into the lager taps. Here's our conversation. All right. Sam and Jason, welcome. Um, I, I, I don't often start off shows by talking about location, but because of where you are and the uniqueness of being right off of the practice green, um, does your location here at this golf course, does it at all play into the way that you approach the beers here? Yeah, I think it does. Um, I mean, Clubhouse Lager, which I think we consider one of our uh, flagship beers. Um, you know, this is a American light lager that I don't know, we're inspired by the course. I mean, this is something that I guess is part uh, partly inspired by, you know, uh, Miller High Life and fried chicken and partly inspired by uh, being out on the course. Yeah, absolutely. It does. You're drinking it, Jeff. I, you were drinking it. I have it. drunk it. Yeah. Yeah. And it and it comes in one of these, what is that, a twenty ounce is that a twenty ounce mug? Or is that just a tall sixteen? I, oh. I don't work here, so okay. um, you That's can ask <laughs> I'll take that question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's more than sixteen. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> is it less than twenty? It might be twenty. Okay. I think full to the top it's twenty. Yeah. Okay. But it has that great old golf imagery to it and like the name it just it kind of it kind of plays in because you know we we talk on this show and and in general about how it's difficult for craft to penetrate into other markets and golf doesn't necessarily seem to have that problem you know it's it's grown over the years there's new tours that exist now and everything but um the people who drink or who play golf are usually going for that Miller Lite or that High Life or, or something like that. H have you been able to convert people, do you think, who have come in for a clubhouse and are now drinking your award-winning Rauch beer or, you know, IPAs or anything else like that? Yeah, and does being in Portland help with that? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if people have gone from, uh, you know, Miller High Life to a Rauch beer necessarily or... <laughs> Right away. We that, hope. That's, yeah, that's the goal. That's but, a mistake. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's probably more of a, a slow climb uh, or a slow progression. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we don't offer a, uh, another option. So if somebody comes in and says, hey, I'd like a Coors Light or, you know, um, you know, some type of American Light Lager. Yeah, this is the option. And when we put it in front of them, I think people are always receptive to it. Does that happen here in Portland where people walk into a brewery thinking that they can get a Coors Light? Because Jeff has been taking me around. You're shaking your head. You have a microphone. You know how this works. Yeah, even in a dive bar, it's hard to find a, a Bud Light on tap. I mean, it's, it's in Portland, Oregon, Bud Light, Coors Light, 
they're really they're, it's not common so yeah um, I, I, I suspect people are happy to see this beer I think going back to your earlier question yeah. too, specifically at the golf course, uh, yeah, people don't necessarily know this location that we're separate from the golf course, and they think that just you know the clubhouse, and so uh, that's hence the name of this beer, and um, hence we're trying to serve serve that need. Yeah. Were you jumping in there? Or no? I was not. Okay. No. What what else works aside from clubhouse? Uh, to introduce the people who are maybe new to craft beer, or I mean. What, Take that question however you want. Sure, yeah. Uh, a lot of people, you know, ask for amber ale. We don't really brew that, but we have a Vienna lager um, that's nice and crisp and, um, you know, has a lot of that same flavor profile as an amber ale does. Um, our Hellas lager is also something that um, people people seem to like as well. It's nice and light, but has more flavor than they might be used to and it's sort of that sort of transitory beer that may be introducing them to some fuller flavored stuff. All right, so help me out here, Jeff, because... They've now mentioned, uh, you know, an amber ale and a Coors Light, and you seem to think that those don't exist here. So, what are people thinking of with an amber ale? Well, we, I think it's it's worthwhile mentioning a little bit about the Portland geography and where you guys are, because uh, we're not really in in close to downtown Portland out here. We're uh, West Boise, yeah. <laughs> we're we're out. I mean, golf courses are not in downtown Portland. Um, there's a whole bunch of breweries in Southeast Portland. Uh, and if you look at the address here, it says Southeast Portland, but or I guess Northeast. Um, we're on the east side, but we're on the way east side. And so, you know, you're going to get uh, a little different clientele here than you would, you know, in the Pearl or in, you know, where we were drinking beer earlier today. Okay. So uh, now I've forgotten the question. No, but what are people thinking that they're looking for when they're looking for an Amber Ale? I have no idea. I mean... There is a there is a brewery uh, in Northwest Portland called Hammer and Stitch, which makes a, a, an amber ale, and I know that they have discovered that there's a whole generation of people who don't know what amber ale is. So young people come, and they're like, "Oh, this is awesome! It's got it's got malts. I like malts," and um, they don't know that it's a tarnished style from the the 80s and 90s. A tarnished style. Wow. Yeah, that was, that was crowd, harsh. Yeah. The, the, wow. crowd, the crowd didn't the like crowd, that. The crowd, which is largely filled with brewers right now, is... The, the, the boo birds are out. Yeah. They're going to chase you down the fairway right now with putters. I love it. We got some amber ale lovers here, you know? Uh, represent amber Would ale. you make an amber ale? Probably not. Okay. Yeah. But there, it doesn't mean that it's a style, style that... I, I, don't, I don't see where you're saying the word tarnished. I mean, I think... I think any beer can be made well, and any well-made beer is, is, has redemption value, and uh, I think an amber ale could be made well. I think some of the clientele, so back to Jeff's point on, we're, we're in pretty far eastern Portland here, um, really suburban almost, uh, not a lot of other stuff going on. Um, some of the clientele is, uh, you know, maybe a little older age demographic, and those are beers that they you know, know as craft beers. And so when they come in here, they realize it's a brewery because a lot of people don't realize it's a brewery. They just think it's a restaurant, um, you know, out in East Portland and there's not a lot else out here. And so, you know, they, they looked at something a little familiar. Um, we don't have that, but we have other styles that we can, we can fill, fill what they want. Yeah. 
right. a lot of people don't know my oove and I'm on the wrong podcast and so I'll just say <laughs> that uh, uh, tarnished in the sense that it is not a popular style anymore and and so breweries don't make it but it's it's obviously an awesome style and I think that's why Hammer and Stitch has found a new audience and it's a cool thing it's like it's tarnished in the sense that it, it became associated with a, a past era and so people no longer wanted to make it but I'm, it can I'm, be made off I'm going to edit that really answer well. out just so that people think that you only said tarnished style. I'm going to take that whole part out. <laughs> Thank you. And I it's great. I really and appreciate that. Everybody does know you. You've been on the show before. Like, I have. People I have. know. People know but I, you. But I haven't. But you know, I haven't been doing my hot takes. Your hot so. takes. Yeah, we're going to get into hot takes, unpopular hot takes, as we get a little further is, down it, into it, this it, whole thing. Is it okay if I ask a question? Yeah. Quick? No. Sure. By all means. Why didn't Amber Ale evolve? Where well, I think we had like IPA, yeah, Mr. Beer Bible. I, I, IPA evolved, obviously. I mean, from check out now. I, I, I believe I believe it's it's ripe for evolution, and I think Hammer and Stitch is doing that. They're making a beer that has, a, so the classic 1980s, 1990s amber ale was very sweet, high attenuation. We didn't have very uh, interesting malts then, so we're talking about, you know, two row and 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 some and a big ass load of of caramel malt and some Lamet hops, and you're, you're out, right? What they're doing at Hammer Stitch now is putting a nice juicy layer on top of things. They're toning down the amber malt. They're getting a, a little bit more richness from the base malts. So it, it tastes a lot more modern. And I think that updated profile is actually quite appealing. And I do think it could evolve. So maybe you got, maybe I should make a pitch. You guys should do something like that. The juicy amber. All right. So that was actually going to be my question. Outside, before we started, Sam said that he just does spreadsheets now, but Jason does all the work. So if you were going to create an amber... Sorry. If you were going to create an amber ale recipe, Jason, right now, like right now and yeah. dial it in, where would you start? How would it how would you want it to be for the for the you know the duffers that walk in that want to Sure. Uh I'd probably just make it a ale version of Meritzen, um something like that. Where yeah, the very restrained uh you know, sea malt additions, um, you know, heavy Munich malt to have that kind of malty base. Um, and then just enough, you know, just enough sea malt, like a darker sea malt to give it a little, you know, give it that actual amber kind of red color. What is stopping you from making that beer right now? Is it Sam? So, no, uh, well, partially. Yeah. I mean, we're all on the same train and we'll be like, we've got to sell this beer too. And yeah. so a, a lot of, so a lot of what people want and a lot of what we hear the most of, like I want an amber ale or I want a Hefeweizen. Um, those people are very loud and very vocal, but they are a very distinct minority also. And so um, we get a lot of feedback from our from our service staff saying like, hey, people are requesting this. And, you know, we have made a red ale before um, and we have made Hefeweizen before and these beers just do not sell because that vocal minority is very happy about it. But it's just it's not something that, that that's popular in the market. Yeah, and I think Vienna Lager fits in with, you know, what, what we enjoy, what we're trying to do, the identity that we're trying to cultivate, and it satisfies the people looking for the Amber Ale. I mean, it's kind of, you know, it, it, uh, it's the best of both worlds, I suppose. When you think about the evolution of Portland beer, and let's just talk about since Von Ebert opened, though. I, I Jeff was telling me, and I got this impression from even talking with Tom in the early days and Sean in the early days, it, you guys were thinking about lager and mixed firm. Like that was going to kind of be the, the thing. And I know you're still doing that, and there's apparently some cool bottles in front of us. But 
Um, you're also now doing, you know, really great IPAs and IPAs that are winning major awards and, and, and accolades. And has, has the DNA of the brewery shifted or is it, can you be a brewery that does all of the things that you intended to, but also what the market demands and then do it exceedingly well? Like, ha- have you lost some of those early, th- like th- those, those early thrusts? No, no, I I don't think the uh, DNA of the breweries really shifted much at all. I think the um, the uh, perception of the brewery has. I mean, when we started making volatile substance, we you know internally we thought it was a very good beer, and it was a it did not sell well. Uh, That was you know right at the beginning of or I guess maybe a year or two into kind of the uh, hazy IPA, um, which we make and we love, Um, but I think it. You know, we we just were known for certain things, and then it shifted around. Um, I mean, Jeff describes us as a lager brewery, but I think a lot of people would describe us as an IPA brewery. And you know, Jason, in a lot of ways, thinks of us as a mixed culture brewery. We're we're all those things, and I think we always have been. It's just what the public thinks. Yeah, you know, has changed. We also we also have two separate breweries that, and we those each brewery does have a little bit of its own identity, and we kind of focus on different stuff. So. Um, you know that allows us a lot of flexibility in, in doing you know multiple styles and multiple kind of iterations of beer uh, the way we think it should be done. Yeah, do you want to jump in? Oh, I, I just to say that yeah, I, I do consider. I, I thought it, the brewery was going to be a, uh, a mixed culture lager brewery, and of course you had to please uh, Portland with your IPAs, and then all of a sudden your IPAs started winning all these GABF medals, and it's like, well, you know. Maybe we're an IPA brewery too. So it was uh, it was <laughs> it was quite an impressive uh, evolution. But I still can, cons- I, it's a great compliment for me to say that you're an I uh, a lager brewery because I like, oh is it I like I want to take people and oh you want good lagers I'll take you to Von Eber even though oh yeah they won that JBF no I mean we like that I've, yeah, yeah that's great but <laughs> is it frustrating though because I put you in a bucket with that question and then Jeff sort of reinforced that is that frustrating as a brewer to be put in a bucket by people who are not wearing the boots and in the house with you no not at all i'm just excited if people like any of our beers i mean that's you know we don't i don't think we necessarily have to be known for anything we just are excited about you know a few different styles or i guess uh families of beer and if anybody enjoys any of them that's that's great is there a? Are you trying to get me to say something more uh, aggressive? No, and, no, uh, it's certainly not aggressive. Yeah, I'm trying to get no, a I'm, fight I'm, going I'm, here. I think it's what's happening. I'm I'm from New Jersey and I don't do aggressive well, so <laughs> certainly, certainly not that. Were we, Gentle Garden Stater. <laughs> it's all just flowers and tomatoes where I live, yeah, and it's, I, it's, I, it's I know it's, that about it's, you. It, it's delightful, um, but no, it, it, it's interesting though. Where if some people think of you as an IPA brewer, some people think of you for your mixed firm, or some people are thinking about you from the IPA, and they're coming for it. If somebody, if if somebody comes into town and they say to Jeff, "I want to go drink really good lagers," and he's going to bring them here, but then somebody goes to, I, I assume there's another writer in town. I I don't know, and they say, "I want, I want, no, I, I yeah, I want, you know, I want a really good IPA," and they bring you here because of the GABF medals and your and and your renown, like. Is does that make your job harder as brewers because you're now, or is it just you're always going to be operating on a certain level where every beer that comes out is going to meet your internal specs, like your like what makes your soul feel good as brewers kind of thing, as opposed to yeah we're a really good lager brewery, 
And we're proud of our IPAs, but yeah, we're really, or vice versa. It's a loaded question. It's a yeah. totally loaded question. I mean, I, I think we're proud of all of our beers. We wouldn't, I mean, we wouldn't put them out if we weren't. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough question. I don't know. Yeah. Sam, Sam wants nothing to do with this anymore. Yeah. No, I think I think I, I tried to already answer yeah. it. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's move on to the next question. Okay. What <laughs> do you edit got? that out. What do you got? Well, I do wonder... Uh, I, so I interviewed you guys uh, at the start of this year, and, and I was curious. Like, So not only, for, for people who are listening to this podcast, not only have, did you win the GABF gold medal uh, for American IPA, but you won the Oregon Beer Awards gold medal for uh, IPA with the same beer in the same year. And in Oregon, the Oregon... It was, it was a different batch, just to, just, just to clarify. That's right. There were, were not exactly the same time. Many months apart, yeah. That's right, which is actually more impressive, right? So that's like a humble brag in a weird way. It's like, well, you know, we'll do another batch and we'll win another award. That'll be awesome. Uh, and I, I do wonder... Um, it was an incredible accomplishment. I don't, I don't think we'll... Uh, so in, in Oregon, for people who don't know, uh, the, the OBAs are a really big deal here, and the, the people who win OBAs are, are you know, uh, respected, and people who make good Pilsners and good IPAs, um, they, they enter that competition, and, you know, you guys are all talking to other people. You're talking to brewers in town, and you're talking about IPAs and Pilsners, and to, to win that competition where the, your peers are judging you is a really big feather in your cap. So to have won that same award twice, uh, or two awards in the same year, is really impressive. And I, I'm curious what uh, the, the, since you didn't set out to be a, a, an IPA brewery, you have kind of a, a broad base. You're interested in mixed fermentation lagers. Um, there are, or mixed fermentation beers. Uh, you're interested in lagers. We have uh, Madeline McCarthy over there who made uh, and, and a really, really nice saison uh, that did that did very nicely. Uh, um, so you can do a lot of stuff, and I'm wondering how those things inform each other. Like how 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 does knowing how to make a good lager make brewing an IPA different, or like what do those things build on each other? Yeah, if you're a, not it's, focusing. Yeah, it's, it's all process. I mean, that's we talk way more about process than we do about recipe development or concept development. Um, yeah, absolutely. They inform each other. I think, uh, you know, it, it, they they may be different processes, but I think there's a whole bunch of different checkpoints within them that, that overlap. I think one of the proudest things that we've accomplished more than the beers and the awards and stuff is the team we've built here at Von Ebert. Uh, the brewing team is incredible, and we constantly push each other uh, every day, you know, from our cell, you know our newest seller person, this is her first week, to, you know, Sam and I that have been here for four years. Um Every, you know, just the whole, the whole uh, camaraderie in the brewery and the whole uh, continuous improvement kind of lifestyle that we live while we're at work um, informs all of our beers. And so um, everybody's always asking questions, always nitpicking little things, always trying to make, even if it's, you know, a, a process improvement that, you know, improves the beer by 0.01%. I mean, we're all behind that. Um, and it's a, it's a total buy-in by our team. And um, I, I think I can speak for Sam too. I think that's like, probably the thing we're the most proud of in this brewery. I, I, I was going to ask you about awards, but I'd, I'd rather kind of go down that that path because the awards are nice and it gets you the recognition and you probably feel good in the brew house. But if you're only feeling good on the days 
immediately after somebody has given you a trophy or a tap handle or a plaque on the wall kind of thing, it's going to fade pretty quickly. So building that community inside of the brewery, the thing that we don't see until the final product comes out. Um, I mean, these are high pressure environments and there's a lot of competition out there and there's a lot of worry about, you know, economics and everything else that, that can seep into the brew house. What, what are a few things that you do to just go a little bit deeper on the point that you just made? And I, I, I want to hear from the both of you on this, but what are, what are a few things that you do to really make sure that that core team culture stays intact in a meaningful way and then moves forward in a meaningful way? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, open communication, being extremely honest, uh, holding each other accountable. Um, I wrote a really long, probably annoying email this morning, uh, and Maddie's laughing over there. But uh, I think it's really important to recap when, um, you know, it, like when we're trying to troubleshoot together and go back. And <laughs> she's, do you want to take the microphone? <laughs> 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 we, uh, we picked up on that. That actually got through on yeah. the on the mics, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. To go back through and kind of talk through, okay, how do like what happened when we were trying to you know replace this pump seal, for instance, and uh, talk through it and ask everybody what could we have done better this time? What you know, how could we have uh, been more prepared? And and then you know, I, I write this long email, and then Maddie comes back with with two amazing ideas that are going to save us a ton of time and waste and. Um, you know, I, I hope that, you know, everybody else on the team feels just as comfortable as she does in that environment and being able to like all have a voice and constantly, uh, you know, work together to drive the machine forward, I guess. Yeah. We want, we want everyone to have buy-in on our team and we want everyone to feel like a part of the process and not just another cog in the machine because, you know, brewing from the outside can seem like you know this glamorous job while you're just drinking beer all day blah blah, blah. but i mean it's it's no, that's writing yeah yeah <laughs> it's uh you know it's really hard you know labor intensive work that's you know a lot of the time seems like glorified janitorial work um and there's you know there's nothing wrong with that but it's it's not as glamorous as some people seem and so at the end of the day um we want to make sure everyone is is working hard but also realizes the goals we're setting out in the brewery to make the best beer we can um you know with all the limitations that you know every brewery has um and to want to come back the next day and make it even better and um you know getting back to my point where you know as a team we 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 feel we feel good we feel comfortable uh you know criticizing each other like you know not criticizing but you know giving critical uh, improvement advice to um, and we just like hanging out together too and I think that the the team we've built is just so incredibly awesome and um, like we hang out on our days off and stuff it's it's I think that's that's so much more important like life is more important than than work and beer and um, but you know obviously work is a part of it and so we're trying to build that build that environment to where we can make everybody happy with that is is that something that is wrapped up in Portland beer culture overall it's a great question. This is the only brewery I've worked at in Portland. So um, it's, you know, from the outside, I could say things about other breweries, but I've never worked in another brewery in Portland. So I'm not, I don't know how to judge Von Ebert versus, versus other Portland breweries. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I think it varies. Um, 
you know, a lot of that is uh, goal dependent, size dependent. Um, yeah, there's there's different situations and okay. everybody approaches it differently. Right. That's well, my most uh, diplomatic response I could possibly. Uh, yeah. How, uh, uh, all right. How, how much do uh, the brewers here talk and hang out um, like outside of work? Uh, too much constantly. <laughs> like between, I, between breweries? Yeah. A lot, a lot, yeah, for sure. Like a lot. I mean, it's Portland is a huge beer town, um, but as a city, it's like relatively small as far as cities go. And there's a lot of breweries, but the industry is still relatively small, especially people who are like brewers at breweries. Um, so everybody knows each other. Everybody sees each other at yeah the Oregon Beer Awards or you know just around town drinking at bars and stuff. And so yeah, everybody like I feel like breweries as a whole are pretty welcoming and inviting uh, in the brewer community. More in a moment, but first, this episode is sponsored by Jack's Abbey Brewing and its newly released Lagers of the World Destination Guatemala, which is a golden lager with Guatemalan coffee. Craft beer is a fledgling movement in the country right now, and it's being led by El Zapote Brewing. Together, the two breweries created a coffee golden lager with imported beans. You can learn more about the beer and where to find it near you by visiting jacksabbey.com. Should we open some of these? Yes. Definitely. Why not? I, okay. Jason's going to take the lead on uh, on both of these. All right. Have at it. By the way, John, yeah. while we're uh, cracking things, I'm drinking a, a fine Rauk Hellas. Uh, I don't know if you knew that this was on tap here. I saw that. Or that you might have some interest in it. I don't know. Anything, um, you know. Just guessing. I was I was asked if uh, if it was on special for me, and I said I can't imagine that's the case. But um, I'm I'm jealous of your beer right now. That's Jeff. just that's just how much the Rauk Hellas fame yeah. precedes you. you know? I, personally, I think that Rauk beers should take over the world. Do you? Yeah. Are you just pandering on this podcast right now? A little bit because yeah. I just listened to your last episode on my yeah. ride over here. But I, in all seriousness, uh, I think Jason and I would love yeah, if, if we could, uh, if we could if there were much bigger market share. Spezial or Schlinkerlau in Portland, we would do that, yeah. or I would do that. Could could that work? I mean, Matt Fem works in the crowd. We have uh, Alan Sprints is, is is in the crowd. Nice. We have we have great brewers in the crowd right now. Uh, other brewers have, have have showed up as well. And and Jeff has been taking me around, and you have breweries that fit into various niches, and that are doing their own thing. Could there be an all Rauk beer brewery that could survive? If it was going to happen in the U.S., I feel like it could only happen in Portland, Oregon, not Maine. No, I mean no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. So for so for how enlightened your beer culture is, they're still not ready for the Bomberg treatment. No, Bom- the Bomberg is the only place where a Rauk beer brewery could survive. I think. Safe to say. Yeah, I mean, it's like if we have two on at one time, we, I mean, we are super stoked on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, having who a, else a full is, board of 20 or something. Who, that's who like, is not super stoked when you have two on at one time? It's a great question. Everybody else. Uh, some of the brewers, you know, yeah. I mean, it's it, even amongst brewers, like it's a pretty divisive issue, like the route. In, internally. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we have a couple of our brewers who are, are not so much into it. And um, I. I, yeah. I would like to see a go of it. On, on allaboutbeer.com, Alan Sprints reached out uh, after Hair of the Dog closed that he was hoping that a brewery would come in 
and, and take over that space. And I think that I can think of no better place in Portland for an all Ralk beer brewery than in the former Hair of the Dog space. Well, and, and, and I have to say, like, Adam and, has a little rock malt in it, doesn't it? A little, yeah, 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 a little bit of smoky malt. So it's yeah. like, it's, it's deep in our bones here. Yeah. yeah. And Alan is saying, please don't say this. I want to make rent. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what are we drinking here? Uh, we're drinking a beer called Under the In-Between. Uh, it's a mixed culture. Uh, we call our mixed culture beers heritage beers here. Um, so it's an oak aged heritage beer, uh, blended, uh, and then further conditioned on yuzu zest, yuzu juice, and Szechuan peppercorn. This is fun. Yeah, you gotta come grab some. This is uh, Alan, Alan is walking up with glasses. The, you, yeah, if you all want to open that bottle, you can yeah. just take it. And, oh, yeah, everybody can share it. Yeah, yeah. Alan, you really don't want a Ralph beer brewery in a. And you probably got you probably, you probably got three seconds until that comes out the top. Oh, yep. That yep. was the right answer. No, no, no. Nah, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's, Why would I tell he's, him how to? He's, he's a professional bottle. walking walking away. Um, all right. So when you're building a beer like this, where do you start? Uh, generally, we start with blending stock, and so we have mature oak aged mixed culture beer uh, ready to go. Um, and then kind of taste it, blend it, have ideas, and kind of think of other ideas, maybe culinary ideas where, uh, you know, I have a big old spreadsheet of, of notes on potential beer, uh, you know, adjunct ingredients or things like that for these type of beers. And um, when we find sort of the right blending component for that, and then we pull the trigger, you know, season, seasonally appropriate, um, and yeah, just uh, just go for it. Can, so when you have that list going of the adjunct ingredients, mm-hmm. where are you drawing that inspiration from? How does something get on the list? Is it? It's. I mean, it can be. Usually, it's a culinary like inspired thing. Either it's a item I've had at a restaurant, or just you know I read about something, and um, the I, the two ideas seem to go well together. Um, generally, we'll get some ingredients on hand and do bench trials and make sure it's actually going to work um, before we, you know, go whole hog on it. Um, but, yeah. Ha- has there been something that you had on that list that you did a bench trial on that you thought was really going to work and then just did not? Uh, actually, perfect segue. Uh, the next bottle that we have here uh, was an example of that. Yeah, we have a kind of... Well, well the, uh, de- the idea before this bottle was an example. Yes, sorry, yeah, yes. It's yeah. not what's well, in yeah. the bottle. We're about to try one of your failures, yeah, which no. is awesome. Yeah. The, we yeah. got to clear out the stock. The yeah. bench trial Get failed. Get your glasses ready, everybody. The beer, the beer turned out all right. Um, we had So the next beer we're going to drink is a, is a collaboration beer we did with Bottle Works, a uh, bottle shop up in Seattle. Yeah. Um, it's a double-fruited kind of mixed culture tart beer um, with Marionberry and cherries. And we had the idea of doing a sort of savory herbal component in this beer as well. Um, some initial ideas were like rosemary or sage or um, what's the one I always forget, the one I really wanted to do. Uh, anise hyssop? Uh, anise hyssop, yeah. Um, what was it? Anise hyssop. I don't know if I know. Yeah, it's this herb that's kind of a mix between like basil and mint. It's like, it's really cool. Um, but it just like, we, we did a bunch. frenetic. Yeah. yeah. We did a bunch of uh, bench trials with all of those things and just like didn't kind of just didn't work out. So we're like, eh, the, I mean, the beer with the fruit by itself is great. And so 
uh, we don't, you know, no risk, you know, there's no chance taking a risk on that. So, yeah, the beer is what it is. And we're stoked on it. Yeah, can we just talk a little bit about this beer, which is a lovely, bright, it's very bright. So, the, uh, the yuzu really is working off the, the sort of acidity, the, the elements of this, the acidity, and then the, the peppercorn adds a little bass note kind of underneath it, which is, works really nice too, because it, it has a, it, it's almost ready to explode out of the glass, and then you need a little something to, to kind of come down there. So how, how do, I'm curious, uh, following up on John's question, like, do you start with the idea of you've got base beers and you're tasting things, and you're thinking, oh, this could use a little yuzu and a little peppercorn, or do you start with the yuzu and peppercorn and then look for the beers that will support that, or how does, like... I mean, it could go either direction way. Is it? Yeah. yeah, it could go either way. Uh, just kind of depends on where, where we're at with the beer and or what idea. You know, sometimes it's like, I have this idea, I know this idea is going to be great let me find the beer for that um and other times it's like this beer is speaking to me oh blended with that one it's really speaking to me and then it's making me think of this so um i mean there's not one method i don't think um it just kind of depends on where where the beers are at and um you know what i want to accomplish with with each bottling we do um yeah yeah, I think for some people who are, when they see mixed fermentation beers and they see multiple ingredients on there, they feel like it might be confused and a little bit uh, over complex. This is a really nice, simple beer Great. where the flavors really work together and uh, you get a, a kind of a clean, very pure, uh, bright, vinous profile. It's a very nice beer. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, I think our approach to, to adjuncts in general is that... Um, it's it's it is a bit of a marketing thing. Like we we actually I don't believe we've released a mixed culture bottled beer that didn't have something in it, whether that was dry hops or fruit or spices or something like that. Um, but it's we we don't want it to over ever be overbearing. You know, we want the spices to be subtle. And if I had you know my druthers, uh, it would the spices wouldn't you wouldn't be able to pull anything directly out of it if you didn't know what was already in it uh it would just be a a you know an accent um another flavor that's in the already complex you know acids and phenolics and uh you know brett character that's in the beer itself i got you yeah okay. yeah that's that's great that's that's that's, that's, a, that's sort of the belgian approach like tuck things in that right, already John, work John with wants the, the native flavors so we're, we're, yeah. yeah we're Oh, look go. at that. It's quality audio. You guys didn't get that the same way, but it's going to show up really great. Sam's on always that. very afraid that these beers are going to gush, but we're, we're pretty good at carbonation here. So, um, Talk to me about your house culture and how it's developed over the years that you've been here. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like it started like a lot of cultures do. Um, we have, or when we started out, we had uh, a lot of oak. Uh, we have four 30-barrel Fooder crafters ferment, uh, fooders, excuse me. Um, some punchins, some other smaller fooders, some wine barrels. And so each barrel, when we started this program, kind of got its own thing and um, they've evolved since then. So some of them were commercial cultures that we bought, um, you know, either Britannomyces or Britannomyces blends that we created ourselves. Uh, mixed cultures that we bought commercially um, and a lot of them were also just built up from bottle dregs of beers that we really enjoyed drinking yeah um, and so now we have this pretty diverse culture um, in our oak that we can use to, to blend into kind of what we want whether whether we want it to be more brett forward whether we want it to be more acid forward we kind of have a lot of tools in our arsenal at this point is there anything that you think the surrounding grounds have brought to the beer um, probably not okay. um, 
I may say some heretical things here, but I think a lot of that, uh, the sort of terroir of uh, mixed culture beer is a little marketing forward. Um, I think that, I, well, but, I th- but I also think it, in a way it takes away from what the brewers are doing um, because the brewers are, are the ones that are creating these things. It's not just some random like dust motes in the air, you know? Um, it's, it's, these were intentional beers. Um, and I think that, I think across the world it's that way. And I think a lot of these sort of um, romantic ideas of, of these type of beers um, are just that. It's, it's a little rom- romanticism, a little marketing, and which is great because everybody needs to sell beers. So I'm not, I'm not like, you know, begrudging anybody who does this kind of stuff. Um, but the folks who sell the beer, are like yeah, saying, like, yeah, please, yeah. <laughs> please buy the Sorry, beer. Sorry, don't and listen to this podcast talking. if you're trying yeah. to buy a beer. Yeah, um, I, you're like nobody does. So like you're totally you're 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 yeah. you're, you're, <laughs> you're safe. What is the second beer that we're drinking right now? Uh, so this is the one I was talking about earlier. The yeah. uh, it's called Living on Borrowed Time. It was a collaboration with Bottleworks um, up in Seattle, and it was uh, Brandon who is uh, one of their main people up there. He came down. We tasted through a bunch of oak, um, and then decided on a base recipe and decided sort of where we wanted to go with the blend. Um, and then we further conditioned it on some marionberries. Um, and like I said, like I was saying before, we we were potentially thinking of adding a, a spice or an herb and just didn't work out. We, we thought the, the beer by itself um, was was great. And so I think that's an example of just letting the beer speak, speak for itself and not trying to be too hands-on with it also. Yeah. Did you want to jump in, Sam? No. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> no, <laughs> J- did, did J- we- Jason can speak to all of these beers quite frankly, a hundred times more accurately and eloquently than I can. So, And did we talk about how this facility, maybe I just zoned out when this happened, that is, is where you're making these kinds of beers. So you kind of have, you have you, one you have, job for 45 minutes. I know, I know. <laughs> but you know me. You, you you invited me. I mean, you know, it's, it's all on you, man. It's what cold IPA does the night before. Uh, that's right. Jeff, you, know? you should come on the show. It's going to be great. I know it was, yeah. it was, and yeah. then you planted all of these questions. Will you regret about yes, about you uh, about you know the brewery and its trajectory? And poor Sam has shut down based on our line of questioning early on in the show, <laughs> and you know poor Jason now has to to shoulder the whole weight of the whole thing. I'm going to try to pull us out of he's this. But, that's he's, basically he's, daily life in the brewery. Okay, yeah. Yeah. he's so, equal yeah. to the task though. He's doing yeah. great, so yeah, it's I, awesome. He wrote a really firm email today. So it's that can be taxing, but it is. It is. Yeah. yeah, but I, but I, uh, you guys, you guys have a whole separate facility here, which is really designed to do these kinds of beers, and so you're, you have, you know, two two facilities, and uh, uh, that probably helps you have a little focus in the brewery, but also gives you a little bit more control over how these beers are going to look, and yeah. I, yeah, how does that all work out? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm the lead brewer here at this facility, so at the Glendevere facility where we're currently sitting, we make all of our oak age beers um, and most of our seasonal lagers. Um, so it's kind of two different uh, threads on the spectrum there. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm here day in, day out. I'm tasting these beers daily. Um, so I kind of have you know my finger on the pulse of what's what's going on in the oak. And, um, and, and, and in t- yeah. let me just ask this, because I think this is a really interesting thing. In terms of your team approach that you talked about earlier, you rotate brewers around, so they actually, you, you're not siloed here, right? Like, you guys you guys share that you, you come around and... Uh, yes, no. and yes and no, no. yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, that was a bad question. <laughs> Edit this out, John. Uh, I had a really good question. No, you loaded up and you're I, like, my question's better because I live here. And they shut you down. 
I thought it was a great question. It was. It I thought it was a great question. Had, and I see Maddie it, shaking her head. Nope, nope, Had nope, it been nope. in the affirmative, it would have been. I know. But Sorry. now it's... Yeah. Well, maybe it's good radio. No, Jason, you're going to... Um, personally, no. I, don't, I don't really spend okay. a lot of time with the other facility, but some of our other brewers, they, we do travel around a little bit, yeah. Um, it's one of those things where we just get... We get in the weeds at each facility and uh, becomes kind of a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none situation when we move brewers around too much, um, where everybody kind of knows what's going on at each location, but doesn't really like know the full spectrum of what's going on day-to-day. And so, um, but, but we, you know, we have a lead brewer at each location who kind of is there at each, you know, is there 100% of the time and knows what's, what's going on as far as each location. Yeah. All right, but so here's what I was gonna ask, because you were talking about checking in on the wood, and then when you were talking about this beer that we're drinking right now, of selecting the oak. And I think about Alan's beers and I think about Matt's beers who's sitting in the audience right now and the importance that the wood itself plays in the beer. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've heard some brewers call it the fifth ingredient. Or, and that's beyond just, oh, this used to be a Pappy Van Winkle barrel or, you know, we got this from a cool winery or, you know, we had food or crafters toast it the way that we wanted it, that kind of thing. There's all, there's all sorts of different things, but is... Where, where does where do you want the wood to be present in your beers and what are you looking for as you are crafting these what are you looking for to to, to, to help achieve that sure um, great question I think so we, we yeah, there you go we don't have a we don't have a spirit barrel age program at the moment so <laughs> and uh-huh. Maddie didn't shake her yeah. head sadly <laughs> at you when you asked that question <laughs> this is why I sit this way so yeah um, so that's going to be my answer is going to be totally like mixed culture uh you know inclusive okay um we're not looking for a lot of oak to be honest um in most of our beers uh, most of the oak we have is 500 liter punchins which are formerly uh used wine barrels um, mostly red wine and a lot of that oak kind of vanilla and tannin uh character is is not in in there anymore and so it's just a, it's a vessel for allowing proper you know oxygen ingress for our mixed culture. Um, our large fooder crafters fooders, um, we bought them new, and so each you know iteration of beer we've we've taken out of them has had less oak. You know we got them the lightest toast, the most steamed we could get them. We steamed them ourselves, um, and really we, we we weren't looking for a lot of that oak oak character out of there. They're just great vessels for holding the mixed culture. Um, Going forward, you know, that may change and we may want to have some more oaky type stuff to blend in at certain levels. But for, for right now, it's, um, you know, big tannin, big uh, vanillin, you know, big just like lumber character is not what we're going for in the beers. Do you want to jump in here? Uh, oh, well, just only to the extent that I, I'm curious, like to apply this to the beer that you have here. Like how, how long is this in the wood and how much of that oxygen ingress are you looking to interact with the wild yeasts and stuff? Like how much does that play a role? Um, most of the beer, you know, it really depends. You know, that's such a boring cliche answer, but um, you know, from, you know, six to 18 months generally in oak, um, depending on the culture, depending on, you know, what the ratio of bacteria to Brett to sack is in that, in that barrel. Um, I will say we are doing mostly uh, secondary fermentation, if you will. Um, it's, so it's fermented clean with a single culture in stainless, then transferred over to oak, um, and then that's where the culture is added. Um, then lets it do, a thi- do its thing in there. 
Um, yeah, it just kind of de- just kind of depends on when the beer speaks to us and it's and when it's ready. All right. So being mindful of time and there's a there's a room of people who want to drink beer and and, and um, have some food. Um, Drinking he, beer got applause. Uh, just uh, just <laughs> noted noted. Um, you are an award-winning IPA brewery. You are the lager brewery that people go to. Uh, the geeks, the geeks go through. Uh, you are making mixed firm beers that are exciting and vibrant and and and, and interesting. Um, you are multifaceted as a brewery, and we can't put you into one bucket, uh, nor should we. Um, where do you, Sam, want to focus the next part of your brewing education? What's interesting to you right now that you want to dive into a little bit deeper so that you can keep you know, pushing this forward and creating these sort of confounding conversations where it's their IP brewer, their logger. You're ultimately, where do you, where, where's your focus? Where's your desire to learn these days? John Hall had no idea that he just asked for the most boring answer he'll probably get on any podcast he ever has. You want, you want, me, to, you want, uh, me, to, you want me to kill the mic? Is that <laughs> no, it? it'll be great. Good night, everybody. I mean, Thanks I, for coming out. Yes. I, I'm super excited about it, but I don't know if anybody else will be. No, uh, really supply chain. I mean, uh, <laughs> get... <laughs> Yeah, everybody's laughing because they're no, like, oh, that's so boring. Fact, Mitch Steele just said that to me not too long ago. Uh, well, if, if man, if I'm saying anything that he said, then uh, yeah. I think I'm probably on the right track in my career, I hope. Yeah, um, yeah I, mean, I just went to Germany for a week with, with Hop Quality Group to really try and understand what, you know, what's happening from, from farm through supply all the way through, you know, uh, uh, shipping to the U.S. and what, like what's happening to our hops the entire way. I want to understand all of that, and hopefully next year maybe get to go to New Zealand. And um, I think hops are just a, a very small portion of um, you know the bigger picture for us. Uh, maybe some of our beers don't have as much hops in them, or you know, uh, or more fruit focused. But really, just sending the company in a direction where we understand what's happening at all points for all ingredients, and then. That's probably a lifetime of work right there. So I'm excited to spend the next 20 years doing that. And then, uh, yeah. J- Jason, I want to ask you the education question, but because I've been traveling around in the Pacific Northwest and it's hop harvest time and it's, it's, it's fresh hop beer time and the, the hop quality group that you, that you brought up has been instrumental over the last, what, 15, 20 years since it was founded of small brewers really having a, a, a place at the table with the hop growers about what you all expect. Um, can you just go a little bit deeper about the, 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 the sort of the evolution for any enthusiasts or brewers that are listening of like what the hop quality group hopes to achieve in the you know, next few years and maybe even beyond if you're, if you're at that point yet? Sure. Wow. That's a, a lot of pressure because I think the, uh, you know, the handful of Brewers that that started the Hop Quality Group, um, uh, you know, really are all all people I look up to and uh, admire. Uh, you know, it's a lot about um, you know uh, cultivating relationships with with farmers and suppliers and understanding um, 
supply chain and you know lot tracking and food safety and really just getting a dialogue going um i think a, a ton of progress has been made in you know uh the last last 10 years and we've only been a member for three or four years now but you know it's also an educational resource and a developmental resource and um yeah, I think really just building off that in the next in the next five years or so, and, and getting more members and getting the word out and try, it, try, trying to improve the entire uh, yeah the entire farm to farm to glass. It, is that something that can be translatable to the consumer? Sure, to the drinker. Yeah, definitely. I, I I don't think it is right now, but I think that you know obviously the consumer expects food safety I, I hope so and the, the more that we can uh I don't know, dial at, that in and make that perfect we're I think at the that, tail think, end of the era of exploding cans so maybe not yeah, I, yeah. I, I i guess i almost i almost think it's better if the consumer never has to think about it okay then yeah i mean in, indirectly through quality too though i mean uh, hop quality group right i mean the, yeah, the oil, oils over alpha for yeah sure. the focus is to like get the best product in you know for, for breweries to use to pass on to the consumer. I mean, we're not do- doing this in a vacuum. We're doing it to make the best beer for the consumer. Yeah. All right, so the education question, where do you want to have your focus in the in the near future, Jason? Uh, that's easy, because we talk about it a lot. Um, so uh, <laughs> we- my, Weekly. Yeah, yeah, me and Sam talk about it a lot. Um, Is this you try to get on sabbatical? Is this uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, to go to Bomberg, maybe, to go yeah. to Bomberg, oh, to bit, take maybe. over Alan's yeah. space, to yeah. open up the, the yes. very first the Von, Ebert. Von Ebert German, yeah. Germany? Yeah. yeah. I don't know how we'd be uh, perceived over there, but... Um, with the Von, the Von Ebert route. Yeah, yeah, very aristocratic over there. I don't know how they... Oh, it, yeah. Everybody's very confused. Yeah. Every t-shirt that yeah. I had, they would say, Von, what, do you, what, like, what does this mean, Von Ebert? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Um, in the brewery, I'm kind of, in the next few years, going to be focusing on our sensory program um, and sort of formalizing and establishing that as far as... Uh, you know, we're a pretty small brewery at this point. Um, we hope to get a little bit bigger in the near future. And... Uh, I'm going to be focusing a lot on, on sensory things, training brewers, um, doing a lot of just sensory education within the company. Okay. Yeah. Um, Jeff, you've been on this show before in my backyard. Exactly. I was about to say, uh, you get to in come Jersey. to, you get to come to all the exotic locations. Did I ask you the green door question when you were on the show? I don't recall. Actually, I don't I, recall either. Ba- based on the, the green door, I, You'd have to ask a question. And okay. I can tell you if I answered it before. All right. So on this show, uh, the premise is that during the pandemic, my wife and I started watching, re-watching a show called The Good Place. And I hope people were... Yeah, all right. So awesome. people were... Yeah. And on the last season of the show, there's a concept of a green door that's introduced where you can walk through the door and be any place at any time with anybody that you want to be. So... I'm going to put this to all three of you because I don't, I don't know if I asked you when you were in the backyard, but you don't remember. So. I think you did, and I think I know what I answered, and I may give you a different answer this time. Perfect. That's great. That's the beauty of the green door. So if you could walk through, if we could finish this conversation, and there's a green door in this plane of existence that you could walk through and be in any pub or any brewery anywhere in the world with anybody that you wanted, where would you want to go? Who would you want to be with? And what would you like to be drinking? And Jason, I'm going to start with you. At any time in history? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't yeah, want to be... Or like right now in the... Pre- it doesn't matter. It's a green... To- it doesn't... Ex- it, yeah. Sure. I'm going to go historical with this. Uh, I'm going to say I'd like to be 
in Athens uh, in the time of Alexander the Great when he was being taught by Socrates. I'd like to have, I'd like to know that conversation. And, and drink, the beer drink, that- drinking some weird wine or something, you know, like some herbal weird resin wine or whatever they were drinking back then. Because um, our palates today have no idea what that actually tasted like. Yeah. And uh, just those conversations. Hopefully I would be speaking uh, Greek. Sure. Also. I mean, yeah. yeah, the green door, the green door provides. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, like, I, I don't understand. Can you speak English? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then right, there be, is that issue. And yeah. then, and then they'd ship you off to Rome to feed you to the lions yeah, exactly. as a heretic. Yeah. That yeah. would be great. Yeah. Um, Sam was just uh, checking uh, his answer on Google, so Jeff, I'm going to I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to you. So I'm pretty sure I, I was pandering before, and I said I would like to be at the Schlenkerle pub, uh, which is the 600-year-old pub in in when uh, you were, in when, when you were at my house. That's yeah, what you were. I, th- at? I yeah. think that's probably what I answered. I'll give you a different answer this time. It w- if we're going, if we're going, I don't think you told me that it could be temporal shift. Like I didn't know I could go back. In I time. think it's implied. Well, Some people have done. I've had a lot of people who have said, "I want to go drinking with Michael Jackson." I've had a lot of people who have said, "You know, I wish I could bring my my grandparents back from the dead to show them." You know, it's, you know, like, I'm, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming if there's a magic door, it can probably also go to different <laughs> times. I'm a, I'm a, I, you know, I'm a dim bulb. You gotta, you gotta walk me through these things. You gotta be explicit. I, I didn't yeah. get that. I'm gonna. I think I, you know, I've been transfixed by. Uh, by early Vienna loggers for the last few years, and I would like to go to Vienna, 1860. Like Anton Dreyer has really yeah. dialed in. He's fi- he's finally starting to make some <laughs> some awesome beer. I want to taste. I want I want to go to the you know have a, a Schweckiter Vienna lager. So I'm going to go to uh, Vienna, 1860. That's, that's who are you family. with? I'm with you, John. <laughs> All right. I'm going to need you to sign some paperwork before you guys are doing a podcast and they're like, what the hell is all this? Stuff? <laughs> what is yeah, this yeah, magic yeah. equipment? Yeah. I'm walking around looking for an extension cord. Yeah. 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 And neither of us speak German, so it's going to yeah. be really awkward, but we're going to pull it off somehow. All right, Sam, final word to you. Uh, I've been asked this question before, not the exact same thing, but definitely. Carl. Have you been on the podcast? No, I have not. No. A Who's stealing my shit? Carl Sagan, for sure. Oh, yeah. Definitely. All right, fine. Um, would absolutely love to sit and have... <laughs> any beer with him but I don't know we'll probably go with we'll go with uh, cream ale Genesee cream I I actually was thinking Genesee cream ale yeah Yeah. a Jenny cream ale with Carl Sagan on the moon yeah That's probably yeah. That's the most unique answer that I've that I've gotten. Yeah, I was thinking um, like Ithaca Club or something yeah. like that, but yeah. Utica Club. Utica Club. Yeah, Utica Club. Yeah, Utica Club. I think that shows with my Carl age. I'm Sagan. just a little bit off. That is, and, that uh, is the worst. <laughs> that is the worst enveloping clue. Yeah, that that's is. Right. <laughs> you might exactly. and you might as well be in an awesome pub because you're like not. There's no oxygen there, so I mean you're gonna die. So you might as well be in a great pub right off the bat. Who else is asking this question? Uh, nobody on a podcast. Oh, okay, I think good. This was actually a game that we played uh, while some of our team was out having a beer one time. Okay. And All right. I think last time I said Genghis Khan. All the great questions yeah. start in a pub. That's like, yeah. you know. They do. Chin strokers. They do. Uh, so let's go to the pub and continue the great conversations. Uh, Jason and Sam, thanks so much for doing this. Jeff Allworth, thanks for pinch hitting and and hanging out and for being a great tour guide and for well thank thank you for having me and we have to do this the next time in i don't know bomberg or someplace exactly and and thanks to von ebert and for everybody for coming out tonight and listening to the podcast 
thanks, John. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, thanks a lot. I was visiting Von Ebert in support of the Craft Brewery Cookbook. It's available now where fine books are sold, so please go get a copy. And if you have guest suggestions or feedback, you can always email me. It's John Hall, that's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L, at allaboutbeer.com, or you can get with me on Twitter at John underscore Hall. All About Beer is also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just follow along at All About Beer. And of course, This Week in Rauk Beer is also online. The Facebook group is easy to search. And on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Beer. We're able to bring in this show each week thanks to the companies that want to support independent journalism in the beer space. If you'd like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, please reach out to info at allaboutbeer.com. Speaking of that, as promised, Jack Hendler is back with me right now. Jack Savvy is a sponsor of this episode, and I hope you'll give them a closer look. And we're talking about the Loggers of the World series, and this time it's Destination Guatemala, which is available now. And Jack, coffee plays a huge role in this beer. And I understand that you had some rare and award-winning and some super fresh beans sent to the brewery, and then you roasted them locally. Tell me more about this coffee and how it ultimately presents in the beer itself. Absolutely. So one of the things that we learned about El Zapote is that they really try to make partnerships with the local agricultural community. And one of their close friends was a farm called Finca Ratana that's not too far from their brewery. And we, as three businesses collaborated to, to make this beer and import those beans from this farm. So when you're putting it into the beer itself, what kind of flavor aside from, from coffee does, do these beans contribute to the, to the final beer? Well, one of the really cool things about this coffee collaboration is that we actually imported these beans unroasted and then found a local roaster to roast them for us. And that was from Fuel America here in Worcester, not too far from the brewery. Mm -hmm. And what this allows is to use the coffee that's been roasted really within the exact window in which we want from that process. So we got them roasted in Worcester and then approximately one week later, we we're using them in the beer and you get just this lovely light fruity nuttiness and obviously a very light roast character. So it is a golden beer, so it doesn't have any roast character from the malt. So all that roastiness that does come through is from the coffee. Uh, that's exciting. Well, I'm looking forward to, to trying this and I'm sure everybody else is as well. So a reminder, go check out jacksabbey.com where you can learn more about this beer and all of the other lagers that the brewery has on offer. And Jack, thanks again for being on the show and thanks to the brewery for being a sponsor of this episode. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All About Beer also has a podcast channel now. You can search and subscribe on your podcast platform of choice. Steal This Beer has new episodes every Monday and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. And one more time, don't forget, go visit allaboutbeer.com. As for this show, Mitch Weber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed our logo, and I'm John Paul. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer.